Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Tech, episode 106, Wrapping Up Loose Ends, recorded September 17th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. This week, we're back with you, and, and we didn't have any one show topic. We had a bunch of little show topics that didn't quite add up to a whole show topic. So uh, instead of doing yet another hodgepodge, <laughs> I think we've run, uh, worn that joke into the ground. We're calling this one Wrapping Up Loose Ends. And with me to grab some loose ends and wrap them around something, as always, is Mr. Sean Kaibo. Hi, Sean. How's it going? Hey, Mark. It is great, and it's good to be here as always. Great. So how about those cowboys, huh? Or maybe not. Maybe we shouldn't talk about that. Right, right. Yeah, that was... Uh, well, yeah, so it's great to have the NFL back. And uh, I'm not a cowboy fan, but I am certainly in cowboy fan country. And uh, yeah, it was a interesting week this week. <laughs> they really played badly. And uh, so how's your team hey. doing? The old Colts, or not Colts, but uh, yeah, the, what is it? The, <laughs> the Bronco Colts <laughs> right around now. Right. Like the, the new Colts now that yeah. uh, Peyton's rolled into town. The Broncos. Uh, That's what we'll, well call them. Yeah. Last week was great. I mean, they started off with a win against Pittsburgh, so uh, I couldn't really ask for much more there. Uh, but so far, and I haven't been able to watch any of the games, so I'm just uh, going off of what people are saying in the chat room, but uh Apparently, they're not doing so well. well Although, I do have to ask uh, Pete in the chat room. Uh, he says Peyton Manning threw his third in interception in the first 10 minutes. That's kind of hard to do. Well, not really, because so, if it's a pick six, you get the ball back. Another pick six, they get the ball back. <laughs> I mean, that's, right. that's really not inconceivable at all. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've got to take him at his word, and uh, uh, Jim in the chat room is saying it's ugly uh, in all caps, so uh, I'm I'm thinking either they're telling the truth or they know I'm a Bronco fan and they're having, having some fun with me. See, I'm not a Bronco fan, but I am a uh, Manning fan, so uh, I like to uh, to watch actually both the Mannings play, but, you know, it's kind of, you live by the Manning, you die by the Manning with either of them. Right. Yeah. Well, um, I've, I've seen some things where people are speculating, you know, they've gone back through history and these great quarterbacks who kind of, you know, had been with one team for a long time and really made their name there. And then they sort of on the twilight of their career, they switch to another team and it's just never the same. And uh, so I've seen all kinds of things where they're drawing these parallels and I'm just right. hoping that that's not the case. Like, you know, just let us get, you know, a couple of years. If we can get him there for a couple of years, develop another quarterback behind him, uh, that would be great. But uh, I guess we'll see. So, uh, but this is not NFL weekly. If you're uh, just tuning in for the first <laughs> time. <laughs> uh, uh, so Mark, you know, I could not leave this alone. The iPhone 5 came out this last week. I don't know yeah, if you heard about that. Really? I didn't, I didn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, I, I'm curious what you thought because I was sitting there just, I was like, wow, that's what all the hype was about. And now they're, now I'm seeing uh, reports that basically the, the projected sales are going to be uh, record-breaking. 
Well, you know, it's, it's the classic it. artificial pent-up demand. People were holding on to their old clunky iPhone 4Ss that they bought eight months ago. Uh, and, you know, and now they have to have the new one. Um, <laughs> I think we've reached a point right now where, in terms of phones, there just isn't anything revolutionary to be done anymore. It's not a knock on Apple or anyone else. It's just we've the, the platform as they are have matured. Somebody's going to have to do something else. You know, and that's what Google's trying right. to do with its Google Glass, Google Glass project. They're trying to do something else. So I think every smartphone release for the next four or five years is going to be a humdrum experience because there, I mean, there's not a whole lot more you can do. It's a slab of glass with icons. But right. if, you, if you listen right. to Johnny Ive, it's a revolutionary slab of glass with with beautiful icons. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And an extra half inch of display. That's, you know, revolutionary. <laughs> well, you know, for those guys out there who could use an extra half inch, that's not something to sneeze at. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess, depending on the perspective, half an inch can make all the difference. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, I just had to put it out there because it seemed like I watched the release. Uh, I didn't watch it live. I watched it after the fact, but uh, just. You know, that's what struck me. I'm like, really? That's, that's, that's it. You know, and I guess the big, the big one with this release would be the new operating system. Um, and maybe the processor. I'm reading some things about the processor, but nobody seems to have anything real concrete there. Yeah. I think it's the new A6 architecture, which is, you know, faster than even what's in the iPad. Um, but you know, it, I don't think it's as fast as some of the other stuff that's out there right now. You know, Apple has been in this catch-up leapfrog mode for a while now. The Android guys, HTC right. and Samsung, are are producing stuff that beat them because they're putting one out every couple of months. And then iPhone, every year to 18 months, uh, falls behind and then leapfrogs them in some way and then falls behind and then leapfrogs them. And that's just kind of the way it is. And And this one, unfortunately, there wasn't much of a leapfrog. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, and I guess you're right. That's, I guess they're just kind of compelled to keep, keep going with, it. I mean, as ridiculous as it seems to me as I watch it, you know, and I see these, uh, all this, uh, marketing hype and, uh, then it never really seems to live up to anything. Uh, you know, they're selling phones, you know, <laughs> so it's hard to knock it when they're, they're doing, uh, you know, their marketing department gets a A plus, you know? Yeah. So, uh, Google uh, stock is still a buy in my book, at least for now. Wait, Google stock, you said? No, I'm sorry, Apple. Or Apple stock. I think I said Google. I meant to say Apple. Yeah. <laughs> there you well, go. Google is too, but that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Right, right. So uh, anyway, uh, okay, so here's my uh, my one little uh, in the news thing. And I actually put this, well, I guess I put it up early last week, so it's not like super new. And uh, most of you out there probably have already heard this story because this is not a news story, but, you know, the anonymous hackers, Mark? Yes. And I think we've heard Steve Gibson talk quite a bit about them. They should uh, have stayed a little more anonymous. Right, right. Well, apparently one of these guys, and uh, this is news to me, although apparently uh, it's been known that he's been in the area, but, you know, I'm near Dallas. Uh, one of these guys was arrested in Dallas. And, and uh, what was interesting about it, I mean, it was almost, it was somewhat clandestine because uh, 
apparently the Dallas County Sheriff's actually arrested this guy, but then the FBI kind of swooped in and and uh, whisked him off. And, the, and then the Dallas County Sheriff's were like, well, we don't really know what the charges are. <laughs> <laughs> we got him on so, jaywalking. I don't know what they're all about. Right. So, uh, so I thought I'd throw it out there just because it was close to home. It was kind of interesting uh, that we had one of those guys here. I don't know if he was operating out of Dallas. I didn't really read through it uh, well enough, but uh, it was my understanding that most of these guys were kind of around the world, and I heard of one being picked up like in New York or something. But uh, Well, contrary to popular belief, Dallas is in fact part of the world. So, uh, you know, it works out that way. Yeah, I guess so. So, yeah, I'm lucky. He didn't get me. <laughs> so um, Apple releases a new phone, uh, and uh, and Google just kind of says, "All right, well, we have a bacon calculator. How about that? That's our announcement for the week." Right. Yeah. Did you did you try that out? No, I didn't. Okay. So what Mark is referring to is uh, Google came out with the Google Bacon number. So, uh, if you know, I guess some of you out there will already know what I'm talking about, but you know, there's the, uh, what is it? Six degrees of, of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Six degrees of separation, which turned into six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Uh, there's a, there's right. a, there's a sociological theory that says all people are within six, six degrees of separation from all other people on the planet. And then somebody turned it into a game because Kevin Bacon has been in a movie with every famous person so it's actually a fun party game that that i my friends and i like to play a lot is you know you name a character and you've got six movies with which to tie that person back to kevin bacon so now google has gotten into it right right well that's uh, uh it's actually quite amazing because so all you have to do you go to the standard google page to this uh google search box and you type in the words bacon number two words and then the name of an actor or actress. And, and it will immediately give you the bacon number for that actor or actress. So, you know, I started doing some standard ones, kind of probably the people from the last 20 or 30 years, and it was way too easy. I mean, I couldn't find anybody under or, or over two. So then I thought, well, I'll start getting obscure. So, well, not obscure, but like trying to go more old school, right? I'm thinking, well, there's some generational gaps here, so surely we can get outside of two. Uh, so I bacon numbered Clark Gable, two, <laughs> Rudolph Valentino, three. So I'm like, are you kidding me? So then I go for Mary Pickford. I mean, I'm, you know, trying to go like toward the beginning of of Hollywood. Mary Pickford was three. Lauren Bacall, so, you go all the way back to Lauren Bacall. She's a two. Lauren Bacall right. and Tim Tim Robbins were in a movie together, and Tim Robbins and Kevin Bacon were in a movie together. There you go, boom. Yeah, so uh so yeah, let me see here. Uh so I want to just bring that one back up. Uh come on, where is it here? Okay, so I'm getting in there and bacon number uh Mary Pickford. <laughs> and because it, it gives you the the breakdown. So Mary Pickford and Marshall Nealon appeared in a movie, Daddy Long Legs. Then Marshall Nealon and Walter Matthau appeared in A Face in the Crowd. Who knows when? Probably in the 40s or 50s, I imagine. And then Walter Matthau and Kevin Bacon in JFK. So Kevin uh, Bacon is three films away from John Holmes and Ron Jeremy. <laughs> 
Wow, three? That's pretty, that's pretty good considering. Actually, uh, Ron Jeremy's only two. John Holmes is three. <laughs> I don't even want to know what possessed you to search Well, I just out. thought surely that, you know, I was right. going to go really obscure and, and way outside of his uh, general field of work. But what do you know? Right, right. So anyway, yeah, if you want to have some fun, go check it out. Just uh, Google.com and bacon number and your uh, favorite actor actress so paris hilton is a two if, right i'd be interested if anybody could come up with a, a five or a six i mean i'm sure you probably could bake you could probably google uh bacon number five or six or something like that and they, they'll tell you one but I stumped uh, it with Conrad Hilton Paris Paris's granddad there he, there's no no degrees of of bacon with Conrad Hilton was he ever in anything though? No, he wasn't an actor. He's the of the Hilton Hotel fame, right? Yeah. So you got to be. It's got to be somebody that's in. Right. Uh, has been in a movie or even television. I did uh, Carrie Underwood, and and she was. A, I think she was a two. Uh, so uh, yeah, and she's not really an actor, uh, but she has been on television. I this think, is so. unbelievable. How many people Kevin Bacon can be linked to? Adam West, the original Batman, he's a two. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I could do so this all day. It, well, this is going to be the whole show. I, I beat it. Burt Ward, Robin, <laughs> he's not there. Really? Burt Ward's not there at all? He's huh? not there. Okay, so there you go. Mark, it took you about two minutes to do that. <laughs> I that stumped it. <laughs> And uh, uh, Mark, I have to I have to tell you this one because it was it was sort of a sad week for me. Um, it was actually I think Friday that I did this, but uh, and of course, if you're listening to the uh, the recording of the show, we tape on Mondays. So uh, last Friday was the day to register for the TCEA conference here in I Texas. I know. I know. I was I was a little sad about that. My Twitter feed was going crazy about it. And uh, this is the first time in 11 years that I haven't registered for the TCEA conference. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was killing me because I'm registering and I'm thinking, there's no mark. And, you know, I almost feel like a kid who's going somewhere for the first time without their parents. Does that, does that sound weird? <laughs> I mean, every time I've gone, I've been kind of under the wing of, of Mark Cockrell. Uh, you know, you've been showing me the ropes around the conference. And, uh, you know, the last year that I went, we presented. And I was really starting to kind of hold my own there. I was feeling good. And uh, I certainly feel prepared to go there uh, on my own. But uh, it's it's going to be a different experience for sure. <laughs> Pete in the chat room says, "Fly free, young Sean." <laughs> right, right. <laughs> However, so, uh, one of the first yeah. things we're going to talk about in the show is how the student has surpassed the master. You you cracked a nut that I couldn't figure out, and that is that you managed to get iTalk, our favorite remote access tool, to work natively with Active Directory uh, authentication, and I never could make that happen. So tell us, oh wise one, how did that happen? Well, Mark, I'd like to tell you that it was some stroke of genius that I figured out, but I really have to think after after doing that that something changed on the network. Is <laughs> all I could say. So, uh, if you don't know this, and maybe we've never even talked about it before, but 
ITALK has two ways of basically authenticating uh, between, a, between computers so that, you know, it can basically control the access. And uh, one is it uses key files. And then it also, uh, ITALK 2, the second release of that, uh, uh, supposedly had Active Directory integration. So you could just uh, put in, you know, users could log in with Active Directory credentials and uh, authenticate that way. And that would set their permissions and things. But uh, I remember when it first came out, Mark worked on it for a while trying to get it to work and it just would not work. So uh, this year in setting it up, uh, you know, we we got it all. Uh, we actually got it working and we were doing using the old uh, way that we used to mark with the key files. And then we went back and started playing around with it. And there's literally just a, uh, a checkbox for use Active Directory authentication versus the key files. And so we unchecked the key file box and checked the Active Directory box. And it just started working. <laughs> well, I see here in your notes that you did a step I never did, and that is that you explicitly added the teacher to the machine, to the student machine image. That's that's new. That's something I didn't do. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, then it is because I was wondering. I was like, man, you know, and I know you didn't like you didn't spend a ton of time on it, but you did play around with it, and you couldn't get it going. Uh, yeah. So what you have to do, or you know. Maybe I should start a couple of steps back here. Uh, if you don't know what ITALC, or we've had the developer on the show, ITALC is what he called it, uh, Interactive Teaching and Learning with Computers. Isn't that what it was, Mark? Yeah, that's what you call a backronym. He had he had something he wanted to call it, and then he figured out what letters he could use. <laughs> right, right. So uh, we had been using it since version one, uh, and it worked. Uh, this was on XP, and it worked flawlessly. I mean, it was just, it was this one of these gems. We were so happy with it. And then uh, we switched over to Windows 7. And uh, and he kind of almost, well, shortly after Windows 7 came out, he came out with a version 2. And it was kind of buggy, right, Mark? I mean, yeah, didn't have some of the, some of the features that version 1 had. Yeah, um, it, it had some issues. Uh, and it still doesn't do some of the things like... For example, you cannot send a control alt delete to a machine to log it in. You, it only works right. after the, the user is logged in, and that's that's a, an, a, on Windows Seven, I should say. On Windows XP, it works fine, but that's the infrastructure of Windows Seven changed, and he never found a way around right. it. Right. Right. So, uh, so basically, what I talk is, if you're not familiar with it, is it's. It's a software that basically allows, uh, in our environment, an education environment, you can set it up and the teacher can basically see their the computers for their entire classroom and they can manage those computers and it gives them a lot of functionality. They can send messages to students. They can broadcast their display to all of the student computers or broadcast a student computer to all of the other uh, computers in the classroom and things like that. Um, so it's a great classroom management tool and uh, teachers love it. Um, so that's what it is in just a, a quick nutshell. Um, uh, version two, what we're working with now released in August of 2011. And, uh, Mark and I, we tried it back when it was in beta and that was in uh, December of 2010. Um, but it doesn't look like it's being actively developed anymore. It hasn't had an update in, well, basically since two released in August of 2011. Yeah, and the, and the latest update on the website says I should have something up in the next couple of months. 
Right, right. So, uh, and you even tried to throw throw a bone at at the developer, right, to get a couple of things fixed. And just yeah, never there was. Yeah, I told him that I would pay to develop a feature. I said, hey, "Here's a bounty." You know, instead of going out and, and using uh, Land School or Net Support or one of those tools. Uh, I would pay him to fix. I think it was the logon issue, and I said, "You, you know, I'm, here's an annual license for this school is going to cost me X amount of money, and I'll pay that to you if you'll fix it." And he was like, "Well, if you want to make a donation, go ahead." And that's kind of where it went. Right, right, yeah. So, um, you know, just some of the back end or, or a little window into the back end of how it works. Uh, so uh, if you're going to set up, let's just take a teacher and 25 computers in her classroom, uh, you're going to set up an XML configuration file. Uh, well, you don't really set it up. Italc does, and then you can go in and customize it. But it's a very basic file, and you can tell it what computers uh, you know she'll, she'll see uh, in her display. And then and, uh, the way we had always done it is we used key files. So there was a key file that was you would put on the teacher computer you would put the same set of keys on the student computers and that gave access so the teacher could see those computers and access those computers um and but you know everybody and even in kind of going through forums and stuff on italc uh people were always saying well why why not use the active directory integration it's it makes so much more sense and so we finally like you said mark we Finally did the homework, I guess did the homework, got it working, uh, and you do. You have to, so you insti- install italc, you, you know, check the appropriate checkboxes to uh, enable the Active Directory integration, and it just does it. Um, the, the one thing you do have to do is, like, you have to go into that student computer, and you have to go in and basically explicitly tell it who can access uh, that computer. So you can go in and say teacher so-and-so, or if you have like, let's say a teacher group, you can authorize the teacher group. Um, likewise, uh, and you'll want to do this for all of your computers. If you're a domain admin, uh, you want to do that on all the student computers and the teacher computers so that domain admins can access everything. Right. So that part works well once you get it set up, but uh, it just, uh, I'm still kind of homeworking this a little bit because the deployment of that whole environment and using it to authenticate that way doesn't seem to be any more efficient than using key files. So where I was seeing a bunch of people going, why just use Active Directory, just use Active Directory. I'm thinking, why? <laughs> just I'm, I'm missing it. I mean, if, you well, know, it does I don't give- see how it's any better. It does give an added level of security. So using the key pairs, uh, any user at that machine is authorized because the the key pairs are installed. So uh, right. I, I had a script that ran on the network that would not uh, – the student machines don't have the management portion of it installed. But some of the, the brighter ones uh, figured out that they could go out to the, on the, to the web and download it and, and run it. Um, yeah, they still didn't have the necessary information. They didn't have that XML file. They didn't, they didn't know what they were doing, but they, it was enough of an encouragement that if I had let them keep doing it, they would have figured out a way to get into no good. So I wrote a little program right. using my favorite tool, AutoIt, that uh, launched on when a student logged in, and when it saw the ITALC management console, it shut down their machine. 
I was I was ruthless. I didn't warn them. I didn't close the app. I just shut down the machine without saving. I did a, a forced close. So it didn't take long of them losing their homework or re- more realistically losing that game that they had open uh, for them to stop doing that. Right. But with the AD credentials, it doesn't matter because unless a teacher is logged on at that machine, you can't do anything. And it also well, gets... Well, even more... Yeah, even a little bit deeper. I mean italk then uh when you start it up provides them with a login so a teacher could be logged into that machine but if you try to start it up and you don't have the appropriate credentials or you know the appropriate permissions in active directory you're not going to be able to have access to that stuff anyway it would also then give you the ability to put like the xml file for that classroom on every computer so that wherever the teacher is they could pull up the whole classroom and and you wouldn't have to worry about the students doing it because they don't have the credentials to do it. Uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, but you couldn't do it like just across the whole district, though. I don't think because you can't present. It doesn't give you an option, and this would be a great thing, but it doesn't really give you an option to manage those permissions for specific classrooms. So, and this is kind of where I get at is when you go from the key file method to the Active Directory method you sort of get rid of one security problem, but you introduce another one. Uh, with the key files, I could put a key file on a teacher's computer and then the corresponding key file, on, on you know, the matching key file on the student computers, and I can ensure that the teacher could only see her classroom. Uh, the problem now is that uh, teachers now have the ability to view their class, but also... Uh, so they can view down, but they can't view up. So they can't view my computer, but they can view sideways. So right. if they knew what they were doing, they could ghost in and and view another teacher's computer. Um, now uh, that occurred to me, but uh, that's a little bit of a stretch, particularly with uh, with the teachers I have. I don't have anybody that's probably that you know tech savvy enough to figure that out. But if they did just a little bit of googling. Uh, they probably could. So that kind of still leaves me with, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, now, what I what I did in response to that, because I was really interested in, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a junior programmer, I guess I should say, right? It's, it's a, more of a hobby than anything. But I started wondering about how italc works and what it's doing. So I actually downloaded the source code, Mark. And, you know, I've been saying for a long time I was going to do this. Uh, I did. I unloaded it, opened it up in Eclipse, and started kind of poking around, and then also looking at what Italk was doing to the the client machines uh, when we did all of this. And ironically, it looks like it's still using sort of a key method, but it's it's entering keys into the computer registry, and based on the different uh, level that you have in Active Directory. Uh, you can have, uh, it'll sort of add keys together in the same registry entry. So it's well, that's basically a clever way to do it. So it's still using key pairs. It just dynamically loads them for you. That's, that's a novel approach. I like it. Yeah, that's what it, that's what it looks like. Now, uh, th- that's the point I'm at right now. I've been poking around quite a bit just to try and figure out exactly how it worked and how, you know, one, because I thought, well, maybe there's something I can do. Um, with a, uh, a a logon script or a batch file that maybe you could make that a little bit more secure. Um, so that's where I'm at. And if I come up with anything just 
you know, real aha, then I'll surely come on and uh, share that on a future show. But uh, uh, that's where I'm at now. And now that I'm in the source files, I'm I'm having a little bit of fun with it because uh, you get in there and you can actually start to customize the look and feel of it. So uh, that's what I'm playing around with now. Yeah, I would love to see somebody pick up that project and run with it. You know, uh, Tobias uh, was just a, a college student who built that on his own using, uh, you know, a lot of the VNC code and a couple of other things. Uh, but it, uh, right. you know, it he's he's done with it, and, and I don't begrudge him that, but it's such a valuable tool, and there aren't even um, commercial alternatives that are as good, let alone better. Uh, I mean, I, I really put it to right. the test, and I look at all sorts of commercial alternatives, and, and the ones that come close are very expensive, um, and they and they don't give us all the same functionality. So I'd really love to see somebody like the, you know, the Shuttleworth Foundation or the Mozilla Foundation. I'd love to see somebody pick that up and run with it, and they could really do a service to not just education, but to uh, you know anybody who's got to manage a lot of computers. I mean, where I work right now, we pay for Citrix clients uh, to manage all the machines in the in the hospitals and in the doctors' offices. We could save probably hundreds of thousands of year a year by ditching that and using italc if it were just you know it's like 80 percent enterprise ready if somebody could just come right. along and, and bring it that last 20 percent, i would i mean that would make me really happy well mark here's a thought that made us drool <clears throat> you could take italc and you could parse that functionality into fog that would be cool so can you imagine that a, a fog interface where, you know, it, I mean, it wouldn't take a whole lot that you'd have to add to that interface. You know, you bring up a classroom full of computers and it gives you, you know, all your, your options to image them and, and power them on and off and things like that. But you can also just, you know, click a little computer icon or something next to there and you're remoted into it automatically. Um, that would be awesome. So uh, Chuck and John, if you're uh, if you're listening. Get right on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, that's just one last little thing I wanted to say about Italk I, I and uh, something that I would, uh, tr you know, I would look to do. Um, not sure that I have the chops to pull this off, but you know, maybe over time is uh, give it some centralized management. So, uh, you know, me and Mark, we had over time, we had basically by sort of hacking the XML file. Uh, in Italc, we've sort of given ourselves centralized management, but it wasn't truly centralized management. Like guidelines, something where not only do you have that Active Directory integration, but you can you could do something like saying, you know, these teachers can't view other teachers' machines, or you know, where you could maybe more actively uh, control those users. Uh, that might come, you know, that might require coming up with a whole different way to authenticate people. Or you're back to your key your your key pairs. So that's all I have to say about that. But yes, we did get it working, Mark, and it, it's pretty cool. But um, it's not any more efficient in the setup. So, and Mark, uh, I have kept this one a secret from you. I I put it in the notes, but I kept it a little cryptic because I wanted to break it to you right on the show. <clears throat> So I think I have a Moodle elf. Uh, and I don't know, you're probably familiar with the story, right? There's the cobbler with the elves and the poor cobbler couldn't afford to, 
uh, feed his family or something. And uh, he gave away the last pair of shoes he made. And these elves came and did a, a good deed for him and made him these shoes so that yes. he could sell them. And right. Uh, so I want to say it was maybe last Monday night or it was maybe Tuesday night, but it was right after I was complaining all of my woes about the Moodle server not uh, staying in sync. Uh, it was that next morning or the morning after whatever. It was very shortly after our show. That Moodle server has not been so much as half a minute off ever since. And, and, the, and here's, and it's weird. Okay. It was spontaneous. I went in and I looked and, uh, I didn't, I couldn't see that the VM server had rebooted or I couldn't see anything had changed on the Moodle server. Uh, but I did notice that when I went into the VM that, uh, the, the Moodle VM was paused. It wasn't turned off, uh, but it was paused. And so I unpaused it and, uh, it, which being paused, it was causing a problem because, you know, that still was messing up my logins, but I unpaused it. And it's worked perfectly ever since. You know, I still know the passwords there, right? Yes, I do. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of because I'm like, how could these possibly just be paused? Because it was like that in one other server. I don't remember what the other one was, but that server was paused. And I was thinking, so obviously there were little footprints left behind. <laughs> and I thought, hmm. Looks like Mark might have been in here. So, so I got to ask you, was it you? And if so, what did you do? And what was I missing? Now, as much as I'd like to take credit for it, it wasn't me. Uh, but the description, uh, the what you've described sounds like uh, a script I wrote sometime back to, to reset uh, that VM server if it detects an overload. And if things are lagging behind to the point where it can't properly shut down a VM, It'll pause it, mm -hmm. so I suspect that's what happened. Your 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 VM server was being overloaded, as we talked about. Uh, the the little watchdog script I had written uh, restarted it, cleared out the hanging jobs, and and you're going to be good to go for a little while. Okay, okay. So I guess maybe off air I'll ask you about where that script is and <laughs> how I might invoke that uh, that good bit of uh, genie juice. Well, uh, you're welcome to ask, but I don't remember because I totally forgot about it until just this moment, and okay. I don't remember where it is. I just remember doing it one day. Uh, well, hopefully by the time that all the clutter builds up and I start having problems again, I will, uh, like we talked about in the last show, I'll have those VMs split out and uh, all will be well again. So, uh, okay, so in an indirect way, it was you then. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was the 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 ghost from beyond. Right. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's pretty much all I have this week. Uh, I did want to throw out a little, I don't know, teaser, beg for help. Uh, Mark, I've ever since I came in here, and this is a this would be a big project for me, but it's something that I'm not really familiar with. I've heard people talk about it, and, and uh, I don't know how to word it other than like a DIY, you know, do-it-yourself cloud storage or web file access. Uh, I want to do a show on this because it's it's an area I want to be able to do. So, uh, you know, we give people network storage and I want them to be able to have access to those files. But I I want to be able to do that in a, a very secure way as well. Um, 
And the more I get to think about it, the more I realize what a big bear this is going to be. Um, so I'm looking for suggestions. Anybody out there who has already implemented something like this and keep in mind, we're shooting for tightwad. So I, I know what the district that I came from before uses a service called Fileway or a, a software package uh, called Fileway that does this. Uh, but I wasn't involved on that project at all. I don't have any idea what it costs, but I'm guessing it's probably not approved. Um, we've been poking around with and actually have uh, an own cloud, OWN cloud. Uh, you can find that at owncloud.org. Uh, we've set up one of those servers and just playing around with it. We haven't actually tied it into um, our system folders or anything. Again, because I'm really nervous about opening that up uh, to a web interface. <laughs> so, uh, so if you're out there and you're using something like that, uh, let me know. Uh, Mark, I'm kind of curious because philosophically, I was wondering how you feel about this, especially being that we're a Google Apps for Education school. So you really want people kind of going in that direction and using Google Apps, uh, which overcomes most of those problems, right? I mean, if you're not using a Word doc, then you don't need to worry about accessing the right. file or transporting files if you're doing it in, in Google Docs. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you know, you can't force people and there's even then still going to be, there's just people that aren't going to get away from that. So, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, I actually looked at a, a number of options, you know, there when I was in that job, uh, and I found some that were, you know, that, that had promise and were open source and others that, you know, could do everything and make you breakfast while they're at it, but they were expensive. Uh, but I like the idea of hosting my own storage and giving people access to it over the internet. Now, I'm, uh, you might, uh, I, I can hear the, the ghost of, of Mike Grass in my head. Uh, uh, a mutual friend of ours who's been on this show before, saying you shouldn't be storing stuff on your own network. Outsource it. Buy something like web lockers for your students and give them access to it. And and that, you know, I, I, I get that makes a lot of sense. You don't have to keep up with the servers. You don't have to manage it. You know, the cost is generally very uh, moderate. But it comes down to in a rural uh, area or a poor area or, you know, and those are often – uh, you know, go hand in hand, uh, bandwidth and reliability of that connection is a problem. So if you've stored everything offsite and you lose your connectivity, you can't do anything. Right. So I like the idea of doing it the other way around, of storing it on site and giving people access to it from home rather than storing it offsite and trying to access it um, at the school. Um but yeah, I, I would love to find a good solution, a good turnkey solution. Another thing, you know, while we're uh, uh, making requests of our listeners, we've got, you know, there's a there's thousands of people out there that listen to the show, and together you're all uh, f much smarter than Sean and I are. Um, I would love to see a good, a good uh, open source Active Directory self-service password management portal. So that uh, the onus of changing a password isn't on the staff. Uh, so that, you know, in the summer when the Active Directory passwords expire and all, uh, you know, your teachers at your school uh, lose access, instead of having to tell them, well, come up to the school one day 
and log in and change your password or let me reset it for you or something like that. I would love to see a good uh, self-service web portal for that. And I know there are things out there, again, that, that do the job, but they cost a lot of money. And I've never found a good one that is, uh, that is tight water proved. So that's, I'm going to uh, uh, add that in with Sean's request there uh, for something that we'd love to see that, that we just don't know about. Right, right. Yeah, and like I said, uh, with the with the file access deal, I mean, I'm experimenting with own cloud, but um, you know, security. I mean, keep keep that in mind too. I mean, low cost and it has to be secure all at the same time because uh, I could just see that being a security nightmare if it's not done properly. So, well, you know, I, I'm going to have to put on my tinfoil hat for just a moment and say that the ter- the term network security is an oxymoron. You can either network it or you can secure right. it. Uh, so, you know, uh, asking it for it to be secure is impossible, but maybe not easily hacked. Right, right, exactly. So, all right, well, uh, unless, nope, okay, I was going to say, unless you added something last minute, Mark, I I looked and, you know, uh, just didn't really have anything good this week. So, you know, I'm not going to throw a tip out there, just throw a tip out there. So, no tip of the week this week. Does that sound right? Sure. Our tip was Moodle and iTalk. Yeah, that was it. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you haven't heard of or checked out iTalk and uh, you need to manage computers, uh, it, it's worth checking out. Uh, so uh, take a look at that. And uh, other than that, I'm going to say, other than the technical difficulties we had early on, this was a great show. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, I didn't get to do the whole contact us and everything, but you just said ah. great show, so I can't say anything else. So uh, <laughs> go back and listen to a previous episode, scroll to like the last five minutes of it, and listen to that contact information and do that. So, right. Uh, or go over to elementopia.com. <laughs> so thanks for listening, everybody. And for now, this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. <laughs>